Elotero Pickle, episode 89, special guest Ryan McCarty, D3 superstar this year. We dig deep into his mental process. This episode is incredible. You're going to want to listen to the whole thing. Check it out. Elotero Pickle, episode 89. We got a really good episode today. But first, a reminder... Send us emails at pickle at peltero.com or hit us up on Twitter at Peltero Pickle. I'm Bobby Tewksbury. Joining us as always is Chris Colabello, and we have special guest Ryan McCarty. I'm gonna throw it to Chris first because he's um he's he's got some energy today. So Chris, how are you doing? Well, first of all, when you have the best hitter on the planet on the show with the other best hitter on the planet, it's a good day, my man. So you know. I'm significantly the worst hitter on the show today. Yeah, well, so that, you have no relevance thing. in any of this. <laughs> you're you're out. Um, but at least this is like the time. Um, this is like the time my my college teammate Billy Bertrand came to Fenway to watch the game, and you know he waited. It was getaway day, and he waited after the game, and then he took a picture with me and Hosey, and then immediately as I was getting onto the bus. He sent a picture to our group chat from college that said uh, the two best hitters on the planet with Jose Bautista in a picture. So it was funny. It's a good one. That that always plays. So, Ryan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, Bobby. Thank you. I appreciate being on the show with you guys, man. Yeah, we. I, I saw your. T- I mean, I picked up on your season pretty late. I'll be honest. And then I saw your stat line, and I was blown away. And then started trying to do some homework. I listened to another podcast you were on, just trying to figure out just what the heck is going on at <laughs> Penn State Abington. What is happening? So I'm very excited. Uh, let's just we'll run through the stats right now. So you hit 529. Uh, is this on base or slugging? Is it's got to be on base 591. You hit 29 homers. You led the you led the country in every category basically. Just like triple crown. I think across all of college baseball, triple crown, if the last time I checked, you hit like a bunch of doubles, a bunch. You see a lot of guys hit a bunch of doubles, but not a lot of homers or a bunch of homers, not a lot of doubles, tons of doubles, tons of homers, 91 RBI, 22 stolen bases. Like what? In the cold. In the cold. That's the thing that's the most impressive. If you did it in a warm climate, I would have been like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) So we just just got to. We've got to set the table for like what you achieve this year. And it's going to, I think I'm really excited to just kind of dig into not just this year, but what has led up to this year and what was different. What was the same? Like what were your teammates saying? What were your coaches saying? It's, it's so hard to maintain such a high level of success. Uh, I know whenever I got hot, I was like, oh, man, I, how long is this going to last? Can I keep yep. doing this? And Chris has a really good story. When Who was the reporter, Chris, in New York? So Chris was in 2015. He's hitting like 330, whatever, in the big leagues. And the reporter was like, hey, man, you're, you're really hot right now. It was and August. Like, it was August. It was late in the it's season. Like He's hitting 330. the fifth month of the season. He's like, man, you're still on fire. And so it was Sweeney Murdy from the Yankees. And I would known Sweeney for a while. He's like, man, you're still on fire. And I turned to him, and this is how I knew I belonged. That whole year, I had a bunch of defining moments that knew, like, when I knew I belonged in the big leagues. And I turned to him. I go, Sweeney, let me tell you something. I'm a really good fucking hitter. 
Like, <laughs> when do you stop being on fire and you're just good? And he was like, touche. And I said, yeah, I'm just good, man. It's what, like, what are we doing? I'm not hot anymore. So that's what I would say to you. You're not hot anymore, dude. You're just nasty. Just just good. Sometimes you're <laughs> just good. So give us, give us a little intro. I'm sure you've had a decent amount of attention. So you've probably been telling, telling your story quite a bit. Give us a, just a quick rundown of just kind of what the season was like for you in terms of like the day-to-day process wise. I want to get into like last year versus this year and all the tipping points and whatnot. But what was, what was the season like? Cause Chris and I always talk about like, there's when you get into flow, it's like, you're always at the field. Like you're, you're, just, Zen the, flow you're state. just in it. Were yep. you like, were you just in flow all season? What, how, that what was, was it like? Yeah, definitely. This year was the, uh, also one of the first years I prioritized, uh, like yoga routine in the day. Okay. And so like, in uh, one of our coaches, Jeff Manto always preached, uh, envisioning success before you even approach the field. So like we would Google image this field that we're going to play on and you envision yourself succeeding in like, in every at bat you have, uh, it allowed me to slow down the game and let the game come to come to me rather than try to do too much at the plate. So um, you guys would literally print out pictures or maybe just download it on your phone or whatever, yeah, but yeah, you, would, was, you would literally picture yourself. I'm a, I was a huge visualization guy. This is the stuff that nobody talks about, but yep. everybody should be doing because they're too it's obsessed awesome. with swing mechanics. So you would actually get, you'd get a picture of the field. Would you try yep. to be like uh, in the batter's box? Would you picture yourself in the dugout, like get into the field? Yeah. Take me through the whole process. So, yeah, definitely. So I would start with um, – envisioning myself walking up to the plate uh, because I think that's where like sort of you have to start to mentally block a lot of things as you're walking up to the plate. Uh, then you envision yourself in the box. And I had always envisioned a, a four for five day rather than five for five, because uh, that <laughs> one out would just be a, a, a line out though. Like it's just baseball. So like, I mean, there's seven guys out there, uh, you know, in the field. So if I happen to hit a line drive, I still succeeded, but it's uh, just, happens to be a lot of guys out there and they happen to catch one so not to put the stress on being perfect all the time as well um and he'd always say to have the post-game interview prior to playing the game so you're already talking about yourself succeeding rather so that way you don't put the pressure to do it in the game you've already played the game in your head and uh you're just playing for fun now at that point was this your your first introduction to mental stuff. I mean, Jeff's obviously kind of got his own story past as a player and, and went yep. through a bunch of stuff, but was he your, was this the first introduction you had to like power of the mind and visualization, things like that? So my introduction actually came from an assistant coach, uh, coach Brooks, uh, my freshman year. Um, and I got a taste of it. I kind of <laughs> understood it. Not, I wouldn't even say I understood any of it, but like I, kind of got a sense that this stuff should be taken seriously and i think this was the year where i even dove deeper and i kept finding more and more about it and um I, it just started to click for me and i was able to separate like each at bat and each pitch during the at bat as well so there weren't obviously i, I haven't I combed through the box scores, but there were just no stretch. You can't have a stretch where you're like, oh, for 16, right? Yeah. Um, the, the, the weird part is how, 
how do you how did you channel like oh this was a bad game and this is the start of the downward spiral instead because i don't know anybody your age that can do that there's literally no one your age that i've ever met that can go i'm 0 for 8 and is not shitting down their leg and going oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god i'm on the way to just being crappy i think um my sophomore year was like a really bad baseball year for me so like 0 for 8 was like still decent so i was like in the summertime it was like really bad (laughs) i hit like 200 so i really had to like accept the fact that failure was a a thing in baseball i i I learned the hard way but i say i think it worked out for the future at least so um coming into this year like uh, even if i was over whatever there were certain games where i was over after the game i had to bring myself back to to slow everything down because i i would get myself out that was like the only time where i'd kind of get frustrated with that bat if like a pitcher beats me you know that's good for him that's part of the game but like if i started to try to make things happen rather than um see some pitches or get into a better hitters count then i started to press and i started to have to release and refocus in each at bat then let's start, start taking the deep breaths and stuff like that would you do that in the dugout would you if you made an out and you came back would you like making this stuff a priority is such a big deal and it's so mm-hmm. easy to get off track and not make it routine so if you let's say you're, you're 0 for 2 over 3 you strike out you come back to the dugout what's your what's your process in that moment uh the process when i get back into the dugout um I, again, I like focus on such minor things to, to be in that moment. Um, I, a lot of guys start to get very heated and, and throw stuff or maybe get get frustrated because it is frustrating. You want to do good and you think you're better than the pitcher. But like um, I'll take off my helmet very slowly. Um, I'll take off my batting gloves very slowly to, to realize what moment I'm in. And um, the way I separate each out and each at bat was that to, I, I realized that in the game, I don't, I don't know how many at-bats a team has, but like four, let's say 45 or at-bats in the game, that's that's the same amount of at-bats that I would give myself. I, those five at-bats I have myself were like were nothing. Um, they were just a part of my day, but the 45 team at-bats were what really mattered to me. So whatever happened to myself was only like a small detail uh, in proportion to the whole game. So it, it, being able to separate and start to realize – how much of a team sport it is, it really helps you uh, succeed individually as well. I'm so, I, I have a very simple question right now. What is your major in, in school? What are you going to school for? Corporate communications. Corporate communications? Mm-hmm. You might want to mix in a little sports psychology degree because you're I would, doing That seems so like a lot of fun. I tried engineering my first year too, and that was a mess. I used to like math and science, and uh, it, it turned left real quick. It's uh, it's funny, and you're you're describing all the things that I have to talk about at length with people. And honestly, from 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 an application standpoint, I I probably didn't start implementing this stuff until I was in my thirties, right? I was just, I mean, I was a I was a mess. I tell people all the time I play with anxiety. I was, I'd go over eight. I wouldn't want to go out and see anyone. And then later in my career, I just started chilling. I just started chilling. And and Tulo's line to me was, you got to care enough to not care, right? And that is, yep. 
when you start doing that stuff, the game just gets fun and you just get to enjoy being around the team and at the field because if you have to know you're good, right? Like you have to know you're good and then just be like, all right, whatever, whatever shows up today, it really doesn't matter. And then when you have that kind of perspective, it just frees you up to just play the game and have, and enjoy it. And that's, I can picture you in that place without even knowing you and just that place every day and being like, yeah, of course I'm going to hit three hummers today because I'm just chilling and I don't, I don't care at all. Exactly. That is literally the perfect way to put it. And I used to care about everything like in baseball, like, but in a way, like, I don't know how to say it without putting it other than that. Like you have to like not care, like, and care at the same time. Like it's, it's so weird to say, but it's caring. It's it's caring with perspective. The, the part you were just talking about with going back to the dugout, taking your batting gloves off slowly, taking your helmet off slowly, understanding that your five at-bats are part of the, the greater ecosystem of the game. Chris calls it an organism. Each game is its own thing. Understanding what your role in that is and not freaking out over one moment, it's, re- it's so powerful, but it's so hard to do because, like, I guess the my next – my next topic here is like expectations and understanding your role on the team. If you're a captain, if you're a senior, if people are expecting you to be successful and then you're not successful, it's the emotion of that can be overwhelming sometimes. Um, And as you're going through a season, like you were having the expectations only ramp up. So I'm curious what, what that was like for you and how you managed that. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to bring it back to my freshman year because in my freshman year, I was doing really good too. I think it was like 12 games into the season. I was still, uh, you know, I was like, I was like just shy of 500. And that exact moment of like expectation hit me. I was like, I have to keep this up if I want to get looks or anything like that. Like you have to keep it up. And that was, it it, it hurts you, you know, It, it really hurts you this year. Um, I never look at my stats in season. Um, that was, that's another huge thing. Um, that way you don't have to play with that expectation, but I, towards the end of the season, I did start to see like more tweets and and stuff like that on Instagram and and all sorts of things. And I was like, you really have to mentally block it. So I would envision like just a bunch of zeros in my mind. I would just envision like zeros and like anywhere I looked, it would be a zero. And that's what I envisioned, uh, my at-bats on the day. If I was three for three already, it didn't matter. I was still 0 for 0. Uh, my season average was zero because I just – that that game was opening day and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I, know, I know Springer was uh, an influence. You mentioned Steve Springer in a previous podcast that I that we – I think we all watched or listened to. Um, that, yeah, that, that every day is opening day mindset. Easy to say, hard to do. Very hard to do, yeah. It, it took years to, to understand and, and to start to really feel that way. Whether you, because even if you went five for five or 0 for 0, you really have to make it the next day. Like yesterday didn't happen. So, most, I, in my experience, most players don't realize this stuff until they're like four years out of the game or maybe they're coaching and they're, they're dealing with little kids and they're like, why are you freaking out? It's just what I bet. Yeah. How did, how, like, how did this, how did this happen? Like, was it just it just it's i'm telling you it's this is really rare to have a player your age that's embraced it to this extent player of any age that is currently in their career 
And this coming from two guys who like live, breathe, sweat it out. We, we Bobby and I met when we were juniors in college, right? For the first time. And there was nothing that we didn't want to learn, see, feel, touch about the game. And it took, yeah, we just never, I, I didn't get there. Not even close to your age. So that's why it's so fascinating to us. Thank you. I mean, I traveled with the mental game of baseball by Harvey Dorfman. Like I traveled with that, bo- that book throughout my college career through the, into pro ball. Like I literally, it was part, it was in my bag at all times. Cause I would open it and reference it and read it at night. Uh, there was a lot of good stuff defensively in there that I liked, but just the, like visualization was a huge piece of it. Um, yeah. What, how, how much influence did your coaches have at Abington? Like how supportive was this? Was this part of the, the whole team approach or were you doing stuff more on your own? Or would, if I was your teammate, I'd be like, following you around like a puppy dog i would, just, I would come over and touch you my bat would be touching yours i'd be rubbing your shoulders at, before every at bat like hey what's going on rub off get a little that helmet yeah how much, of it, helmet. how much of it was it yeah how much was it a culture thing at, at with your team it, it was huge so like i said uh jeff manto preached it and dave miller our other coach preached it they played um when they were playing ken revista was their um like mental it was the first he was like the first of their kind like this is like in the 90s when he first was on the indians with them and um and coach miller was telling me like at first like this was like the first of its thing so they were like uh, you know kind of like shrugging it off and he said like a couple years into minor league ball he was like holy crap this stuff helps and i think that's like that that's what i think i see like some teammates do like they like they preach this to us during practice and stuff like that so like but it as much as they preach it, they can't make you apply this to your game. Like it has to be done by yourself. Um, and it's only going to get better the more you play because you just need the reps. Like, it, I don't know how to say like, like I could go out and grab a tee and go to a cage and hit work on my swing, but you can't just go out and work on your mentality without playing the game. Um, so they did preach this to us all. And I, started to send videos to them because i'm like guys you have to keep buying into this like the it, it is a big confidence game um when you're 0 for 4 you have to want that fifth as bat just as much as if you're 4 for 4 or, or some guys if they're 4 for 4 they've they're like uh, i kind of want the game to be over i'm 4 for 4 i had my day you know but you've got to keep wanting the next at bat as well i think that's another big mindset too do it, Chris. The, get spring, the Springerism. Get, get greedy. Yeah. So, so no, the I, the story goes, and I've told the story on the show before. So, I'm, my it's my first time up with Toronto, right? It's like the uh-huh. second game there, and I loved. I'm I'm like the king of good environments. By the way, just for context, Jeff Manto, former Rochester Red Wing of America, which I hear his name all the time because I'm all the time because I'm a former Rochester Red Wing. Uh, there were stories about how he's like an all-time favorite of the reporters there who have said we're like my group in 2013 was like me doug bernier like andrew albers like really good dudes like the best dudes right and so i would hear the like the legend that was jeff manto all the time anyway <laughs> so the story goes i go up and and bear in mind i'm coming off an injury and 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 listen no offense to minnesota it was the worst environment ever 1602 years in a row couldn't stand being in the big leagues. Like nobody come up to you, put their arm up around you, just tell you you're okay. And 
so now I get to Toronto and first game I go out and I'm literally on my way up to the big leagues and my dad calls me and he's like, Hey, just take a deep, you know, you'd be fine. I was like, dad, what's the worst thing that happened? They send me down. I was like, they've done that before. Who, who gives a shit? Right. <laughs> and I'm playing with all this freedom because I was coming off my thumb injury from the year before. So I'm, I'm not in pain. And I was just in, I was just happy to be at the field. So my second game, I'm three for three going to my last at bat. And, and I go up to the bat rack to grab my stuff it's the eighth inning game's out of reach it's seven two we're going into the bottom of the eighth so we're gonna win the game i pro i mean more than likely yeah and i go to get the bat and uh and gibby turns to me and he goes hey stay greedy he sounded like the coach from water boy um and i'm thinking to myself like man this dude this dude's my manager he knows i'm three for three he had the awareness to make that comment to me because he cares about me, man. Like he he cares about this at bat, so I went and had that at bat for him. And that's I talk about the how those kind of environments and having a guy like Jeff, I imagine, just being like that reassurance the the guy who's just continuing to stay the course, being authentic and and really showing support for the team and the players, the individual players on the team. Kudos to him and kudos to your staff for for that. But putting it into practice to what you did, man, it's special stuff, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it. Jeff was a huge help keeping us loose, too. We would, um, I just had to share this one quick thing on it. One of, we walk up to a game in Florida for like our spring training earlier in the season. This team, they were a big team, they were huge. And like, I mean, he just walks up there and we, he's like, oh my gosh, look at that team. You guys are, you guys are screwed. He said something else, but he said, you guys are screwed. And we all like look around and we're like, what <laughs> like what did he just say and but but then it brought out laughs from us and um we we won that game but it, it, he just kept us so loose and and i think that was the whole purpose of it when i look back is just to have fun like that yeah it's awesome i yeah. so i have another question because yeah. i commented on this on twitter you said there was a good story first of all when guys showtime the right way you everything about that homer pimp job was within the confines of Chris Caldwell's rules of what you're allowed to do when you hit a homer. There's like five things that you could do. You hit it, you stand there, you kind of watch it, right? Mm -hmm. You can hold the bat up, and then you can slow walk out of the box, you can run slow, and then you can do like a little bat flip. Those are like the five things that you could do. On any it. given homer, on any given homer, you can do two and a half of those and not be an asshole. <laughs> So that was perfect because you hit it, you kind of watched it. There was not an obnoxious bat flip. It was like, so that's like a quarter bat flip, which it was very understated with the slow walk out of the box. Tell me about, because that was a, that was the Swagosaurus move. Tell me about that homer in particular. I want to hear the story. Yeah, so that homer, the, the slow walk, it was like towards the line a little bit too. So I was like, I'm not going to try to bust it out of the box here. It could go foul. I'm not sure what's going on here. So I was like, watching it go up and it got out and i was like oh sweet so then that's when i just started to take the slow jog around the bases um the reason i don't do anything crazy uh is because my history with bat, bat flips is uh pretty bad uh i bat flipped one last year um and nothing nothing crazy i can never pull off the the jazzy stuff but um I was like looking at the dugout, giving it a nice little point, and they I start hearing them starting to tell me to run, and I'm like, oh my god, like what's going on? The balls, it hit the fence, and I'm like, I I'm lucky to get a double out of it. I mean, this has happened twice in my career in college, though, so that's a 
I was lucky enough it wasn't a fly out, but yeah, now I like uh, I, I keep it settle. Uh, <laughs> that's the only I play it safe. Downline helps. No, it's, you can, it's easier to walk it when it's downline because it's you're just making right sure there. it's not foul. If you know you yeah. got it, that's funny that you yeah, nothing worse than a bad flip. I just don't understand sense. throwing the bat into orbit. Like it's yeah. the most look at me move in the history of the universe. Uh, and by the way, so I went and talked to a high school team the other night. Uh-huh. And this kid at the end, you know, I'm at, they're letting people ask me questions, blah, 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 whatever. And I get to the end and, and the whole group kind of breaks up. And this one kid comes up to me after and he goes, Hey, Hey, what's the best chirp you ever did? And I go hitting and I go hitting. I just raked. <laughs> I was like, that was my best chirp. I just smashed. Like what? Like what are we talking about? Like you want to yeah. know a chirp? Like I'm gonna disrespect you so bad with my barrel that it's gonna hurt your aunt in Iowa. So like, how about that for a chirp? That's like, what are we talking best. about? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, there's way too. Uh, there can definitely be way too much showing in in some. I see some videos where pitchers are just losing their minds on the mound and yelling at each other from dugouts. I'm like, what is going on here? I was like. <clears throat> uh, by the way, are we taking you away from the selection show right now? Like, you guys are getting in, right? Like, you're going to get in the tournament. We, I was just talking uh, to my coach before this, and there was like a, we, I saw something where we weren't getting a bid unless we won. That was, that's been our conference thing for a while, because um, it's always been like uh, two teams from our conference that were good. And, well, there's a lot of good teams in our conference. I'm not going to say anything about that. But like two like regional teams, but they never gave us a bid or anything like that for our conference. So uh, it was usually a win or go home type of thing. The selection shows literally right now though for Division Three, isn't it? Like as we're recording this, doing like uh, yeah, it is. It is during this actually, and I haven't seen any text from my friends, so I'm just it's unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> I think we're just taking the loss here. Yeah, taking taking the like it's weird. There's just so many <laughs> Division three teams. I feel like that. Uh, you know, you guys finished thirty three and eleven, lost in the conference championship, right? Yeah, and so like we, we put up the best season we've ever had. Um, I know the there's like a conference next to us called the NJAC or something like that, where they get, I think they get like three teams from their conference to go to regionals. It's crazy. I mean, they are a really good conference, but. I figured they could get they could throw one of their bids this way, you know. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> I'm viewing. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, your area: Immaculata, Keystone, Montclair State, Ithaca, Shenandoah, St. Joe's, Catholic, Stevens. You guys had better records than most of those teams. Yeah. Like Catholic, twenty nine twelve. Stevens, twenty nine fourteen. Keystone, twenty four and eighteen. They they must have won the conference, right? Like, is that you can't get it in twenty four and eighteen? <clears throat> It's messed up, dude. I, I want you in the. I want you in the in the NCAA's. Thank you. Yeah, that we, that's what me and well, I mean that's what we all wanted. There was me and another uh, couple fifth year seniors who were having our last ride too together. We were like, man, we at least wanted to get to regionals, you know. Um, especially being our best best year as a program. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the other side: SUNY Cortland, Bridgewater State, Endicott, St. John Fisher, Wheaton. Johnson, Wales, Baldwin, Wallace, SUNY, Brockport, Penn State, Harrisburg messed up. Why not Penn State, Abington instead? Yeah. <laughs> Salisbury, William Patterson, Bethel, Wooster. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, we, you didn't get any text. You would have got the text quick, right? You would. Yeah, you, I you think would've. so. I think they would all have been freaking out. We because we beat the um, 
runner or not runner we beat the world series champs this year too. they were uh world series last year so we know we were capable of playing these type of teams yeah that's a shame but but now you get to put the seal on the season like your batting average can't go down at you can't all. Go down. so <laughs> it also can't go up we also can't hit that's majestic. very against everything he was talking about earlier i know <laughs> His batting average is zero. It doesn't even <laughs> Your is... batting average only counts at the last day of the season. Like that's why I wouldn't even uh, like now it's the last day of the season. It's official. Like so official. now we can look at it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to look at your batting average till the last day of the year. Exactly. All right. I have one more one more kind of tactical question, and then I want to get into your background a little bit. So we talked about the visualization stuff because I want to give I know there's gonna be a lot of high school, college, and even younger kids listening to this. You mentioned earlier about like, yeah, you can go to the cage, grab a tee and work on your swing, but doing the mental reps. Did you have a routine with like two hours before the start of the game? Or did you have like a specific time that you would start that visualization process? And can you talk a little bit about mental effort versus physical effort? Because what I see right now with kids training, the physical effort is the easiest thing ever. You show up, you, you do work, but the mental side of it, isn't there so routine wise was there like a a time that you started a trigger for you and then what is the, what does the mental work mean to you yep it, it, well it does mean everything to me and so i would start um my mental routine prior to breakfast uh, when i woke up in the morning whether we were on the road or at home it was before breakfast that way i, I would envision the game uh happening and, and having that having the success um and then the second that was over um, there was no more thoughts about the game until I was there because that way I was always going to be in the moment uh, and stuff like that. So when I was eating my breakfast, I was just enjoying that, maybe watching something on like quick pitch or maybe on YouTube or something like that. <clears throat> um, and that that was the biggest thing mentally was to when I was focusing on the game prior to breakfast, that was the only time I thought about the game um, before it. Uh, there were times where my mind tried to think about it like oh what if you did this today what if you did that today because that happens i mean that that's there's that's gonna happen it's just about it's just a matter of how well can you block that off um and again refocus and be in that moment um what was i'm sorry what was the other part of the question on that too there was um the actual mental the stuff that you did before breakfast how much time was that was it five minutes was was it 20 minutes yeah, I would say I stuck to about 20 minutes on that. It wasn't anything crazy. And the um, the mental effort in the game was much more in the physical. Um, that I remember where we, where I was getting with that because, um, uh, again, Manto always said, um, after a baseball game, you should be mentally tired, but not so much physically. It's not like you're playing football or basketball or anything like that. So, yeah. <laughs> so it shouldn't be too physically wearing on you. Um, and the physical part is, is the easy part. I mean – Working out is like almost a bonus. You get to get stronger, be be stronger hitter, faster hands, all that stuff. You, you work out, you get to look good too. I mean, geez, it's, it's easy. You get to do it all. Yeah, see, there it is. I, start, I started after my career. I'm, I'm started trying to look good after my career. Keep going. Uh, it's Yeah, man, I, that's the bonus. You get to go in the mirror. Again, as an athlete, you need that little bit of an ego. You need something with you to, to boost your confidence. Um, but so that was always – that is the easy part. He said – why not work out six, seven days a week? You get to do it all the time. Uh, baseball's not phys- that too much physically draining, so there's plenty of time to work out and get that stuff in. But your your mind is 
is definitely more, should be more tired after the game. I mean, there's so many things that could go on uh, each pitch. It's it's actually crazy. Um, so yeah, my mental routine wasn't it was it wasn't anything crazy. It was 20 minutes visualizing visualizing success on the field, having that post game interview, um, and then the yoga routine after breakfast would help me uh, focus on getting stretched out and being prepared to play play the actual game. This mantra needs to be everywhere. Um, I, I have a question. <laughs> I, this is incredible. I, I can't believe I'm actually seeing living manifestation of like what everybody needs to do. It's <laughs> happening. It's, you're right in front of me. You're sitting Thank here you. and it's great. And I'm proud of you and I'm happy for you and all those things. When did you know it was getting special? Like when was the moment that you looked up and you were like, yeah, this is stupid. I'm, I'm going right now. <laughs> When it started to get real, well, I, after the first two games of the season, I knew this team was going to be special. Um, I knew we were going to have one of the best uh, seasons in our, our program's history from that point on. But um, uh, as an individual, it, it started happening later in the season when people started to like kind of post on social media. Social media is crazy um, how fast things kind of spread. Um, and stuff like I never thought I'd be talking to Bobby Tewksbury and Chris Colombello on the podcast, but here we are today. Um, well, listen, I'm a bigger fanboy of you than <laughs> you are of me. I got some cool shit on my wall and stuff like that. He turned the home run derby, but I, I'm much more. I'm thank you, respect, I appreciate it. But this can keep going on. But keep going. I want to hear more. Gotcha. Yeah. So it 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 started to get real when um uh I think. Uh, there was like a prospect dugout posted something and college baseball hub started posting stuff about our season. Um, because that, yeah, it was, it's, it's great for myself, but I mean like, uh, our guys that run our social media account, we're getting a lot of new followers. So it, I hope this only just helps our, our program because there's going to be, there's a couple underclassmen at our program and a couple seniors now who are going to be seniors at our program who are going to be studs too. Uh, so uh, in turn, this just helped everybody. And I did start to realize that later in the season when I, I saw 550 and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing that. But again, I was like, you got to relax, man. This is the stuff you preach. My mom was, when my mom started messing with me. She saw the podcast when I first started talking about the mentality. She's like, oh, you really have to get a, kick it up a little bit now with your mentality, man. <laughs> it's like, started, uh, it's crazy. My my two my two seasons that were like similar to yours right now. One of them was in AAA, and the other one was uh, in independent ball. Like the first year, he like he he showed me the swing stuff, right? And and I thought he was fucking crazy. And I'm like, dude, you're I'm like, what are we doing? This is so stupid. You're making me swing backwards. This is like counterintuitive to everything. Yep. And then all of a sudden you know, two weeks into the season and it turned into a video game, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, but I'm 27 at the time. And I would go to the field every day. And I remember I'd be in my car on the way to the field. I'd, I'd be, please don't go away. Please don't go away. Please don't go away. I'd eat the same things. And I, I would, yeah. I, I, please don't be the day that goes away. And, and sure enough, but I was so focused on the process of how to get ready for the game. Yeah. Him and I were doing a thing that year. He would just text me process every morning. And that's when that, that whole thing started. That's and awesome. that, that carried into, you know, the next part of my journey when I got to AAA. And the, the 2011 and 2013 were really two years when, like, I, there was nothing you could do to me to, to really 
to take me off the track. And it was yep. so cool because I just go to the field and, and, and I know it's going to show up. So I'm not worried about it. Um, and then there, you, you know, when you're in pro ball, they mess with you, you get signed, you go to double A, you go to new environment, new coach, new this. And that's why it was a struggle when I first got to the big leagues Yeah. because I couldn't, I couldn't just embrace the same stuff. Right. Cause I'm yeah. worried about everything around me, but there's so much more. That's why I was so curious. Like when was the moment that you realized this year is going to be special? Like for yourself, like, was it, was there one game in particular where you're like, I know nobody can take me off this track. It was, I I want to say when I hit my 20th homer, uh, again, the fight in those thoughts about like when I was at 19 homers, like, oh my gosh, I got to get 20. I got to do this and that. But it's Sounds like, I, I'm just like, yeah, it's like you get on that track and it's like, no, I am. I, this is me and I am going to do this. It, it was, um, so it was, I would say it was late April when, um, or middle of, middle of April, we were on a road trip, um, in, in Penn college when I hit that, it was when I hit the 20th homer. Um, but that was, I think that was like one of our, it was like our last game there. But it, so even the games before it, I, I was like, it's going to happen. It's just, I'm just going to let it happen whenever it does. Uh, so that was like when I was like, this season's, the season is pretty awesome right now. And that's, it's only going to get better. I made the mistake in 2011 of looking up. I said, don't look up. I, I told everybody, I said, just don't look up. And I was hitting, I was at the, we're coming down the last three weeks and I'm at like 386 and I just hit my, my, my 20th or I had 19, sorry. And I was, I was saying to myself and I just, I looked up, I was like, I'm going to go 400 with 30 or 25 or whatever it is. And, yeah. then I went, rah, 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 and it still turned out to be a pretty good year, 348, 20, one independent player of the year or whatever, but that's freaking amazing. Yeah, like it's just a little different, right? It's a marathon instead of a sprint. Like that's what Rich Gedman used to say to me all the time. He'd say, you know, college, co like high school's a uh, high school's a sprint. College is like, you know, the four hundred. Yeah. And then pro ball, like indie ball, was like a half marathon or quarter marathon. And then you know you play one forty two in the minors and one sixty two. He always used to say to me, "How you can get ready to play one forty two if you can't play ninety four here?" You know. So yeah. we went out there every day and to the physical point baseball is not hard physically unless you're a catcher yeah maybe the pitcher and i'll give the shortstop and the center fielder a little bit of credit but when people are like oh i need a day off i'm like from what standing like <laughs> being alive yeah <laughs> like I, there's so many days off in baseball now like oh mike trout needs every fourth day game uh i'm like dude stop it like we're trying like this is not hard i jogged the first base guys like what are we doing <laughs> Like, exactly. I take four swings and four sprints if I hit the ball. Yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. even sprints. You get a jog too if you're if you're lucky enough. You know, you get the jog. I, I tell people all the time. I'm like, listen. The reason you give like a baby show time when you hit a fly ball is because mm -hmm. it's either a home or a double. Like I can't lead the league in doubles if I hit yep. too many triples. Like I'm not a fast guy, so like I gotta lead the league in doubles. Like what are we doing? Like I, it's either a home or a double or an out. Like if I can't get a double <laughs> off a ball off the wall, like. I'm an idiot. Yeah, then there's, you know, <laughs> Bryce Harper. I, I do, yeah, I do like two sprints a day. Like, what are we talking about? This is the easiest job ever from a physical yeah. standpoint. It's the yeah. emotional and mental exertion that sucks, and that's where we spend no time on that shit. Like none, zero. I talk to all these college guys. They like spend six hours a day in the gym and and hitting and throwing. And I was like, how many days did you spend this winter picturing over four? 
like on opening day how many days like i was like i asked one guy one day i was like hey did you beat over four yet and it would be on like their 400 swing and like what are you talking about i was like yeah i was like what number do you need to get to today how many reps you need to get to to make sure you don't go over four on opening day that's awesome way i've never heard that though that's awesome it's, how many it's all it's all perspective gained over the years man like it's just and it's so clear to me now and so obvious and that's why again and i'm gonna let bobby talk a little bit now because we've kind of <laughs> oh, this is this is awesome. This is like real baseball. This is like I get I get really pigeonholed as a mechanics guy, and it's funny because when Chris and I are in the cage at the same time working with hitters, he ends up talking more about mechanics, and I end up going away from mechanics because it's it, it is all related. They're, yeah, because it is important. You can't. I mean, yeah. mechanics are. Yeah, I was <laughs> just all tied together, wait a minute because you're context. Yeah. So last night, Seidel, Tommy Seidel called me. Tommy's at University of Alabama, went to University of Harvard. And him and Jim Jarvis. And Jim Jarvis is my favorite player on that team because he's like the little grimy, gritty guy. Like he's go. choked up halfway off the bat. And me and Jimmy and Tommy are on a FaceTime. And and Tommy turns to Tommy turns to Jimmy and he goes, Oh, who's Bobby? And he's like, and Tommy goes, He's the launch angle guy. And I go, please don't say shit like that. Stop it. Stop Tommy it. Said that? I said it. I was like, "You punk!" Like, I was like, "That's bullshit." <laughs> yeah, anyway, I, inv- I, in- I invented the scale. When you step on a scale, it tells you how much you weigh. That's yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, now, I, now I'm distracted. I don't even know what I was thinking about the launch angle guy. Yeah. You were talking about how we talk about the opposite things. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh mechanics and approach are like so tied together in terms of what you're capable of doing. Like if you don't have a good swing path, you can't hit the ball oppo. So looking away is not really a good thing. If you have no adjustability from a timing standpoint, like you better be hunting fastballs or you like, you need to sit pitches. You sitting pitch is a good thing anyway. Uh, It's just, everything's related, but the mental side, it's like you, I would always take a guy with a bad swing with a good mental game versus a good swing with a bad mental game. Like the, the guy with the mental game is going to perform better over the, over the long haul. It's just exactly. It's, He's baseball gonna... is a grind. If, if you're doing it right, if you, there's some guys that are so good physically that they can get away with stuff and they can play the game physically. Like they can play physical baseball. I wasn't, I was, I had no tools. I, my, the only way I was able to compete was because of my brain and my ability to pay attention and, anticipate what was going to happen there's i had no ability to compete on tools at all whatsoever <laughs> so it's like getting deep into topics like this like that's why i keep asking like like more tactical questions because i think it's it's hard to describe it because it's like you foul a pitch off and you step out like what happens in that moment you got like 10 seconds 20 seconds it's like what yeah. is happening in that moment where kids are like looking around or they're mad at themselves or whatever like what is actually happening in in those moments that we can help kids understand and it's so hard because it's all internal you can't see it you can't exactly it's not like like taking a swing or like lifting doing a squat it's not the same thing at all (laughs) so it's it's really 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 powerful but hard to make tangible for people because they don't know what it is it's yeah my favorite my favorite quote is baseball is like church many attend few understand and That's, it's just like you go to a game, like you said you said earlier, like there's so many things that can happen each pitch. And then people are like they're trying to put a clock in baseball to speed it up. It's like you don't even know what's happening 
that you're is, trying to you're trying to rush through the game and put a clock to make the guy throw a pitch in 20 seconds when the whole game is happening between pitches, not during the pitch. It's literally. all thinking. It drives me crazy. That's and an awesome. In, instead of like teaching people the game, they're trying to implement a clock. And what is that going to do? That's not going to make people understand and appreciate the game for what it is. Like exactly. The game, the game you can't see is the one that's really happening. Yep. It's crazy. Literally. Cause one guy got called out. Um, I don't know if it was minors or an independent league trying new rules, but like, uh, I, I guess there's a hitter's time clock too. He stepped out of the box, uh, took too long and he got called strike three. And I'm like, what? He's probably trying to, to realize, okay, this pitcher's throwing this, this and that, uh, this count, you know, what he do to the last hitter. Like there's so much going on between that. And then after he tries to, uh, figure out his approach or at least try to think about what the pitcher's trying to do he's got to think about what he wants to look for uh what what in what area i mean there's so much going on between pitches it's and, and to speed that up would definitely i mean that's that's going to hurt a lot of players you know it's takes away from where baseball really is mandatory commercial breaks in the big leagues though they're not going to cut those down um <laughs> we did have a we did have a specific question about how how you approach how were you approached as a hitter and how you pitched differently this year versus previous years and how did you adjust to that mm -hmm. so um <clears throat> i think um around i guess it would have been the covid year 2020 2021 um they were definitely trying to they weren't really pitching to me as much like they were hitting their spots a little better maybe starting breaker uh and trying to pitch backwards and certain things and those were and, and although I still knew about this mentality and was trying to practice it, I was still pushing to make something happen. Like uh, I would be, it would be OO breaker and maybe it was going to be a low and away pitch for a strike. Uh, and I would go to get it um, and almost like kind of take a crappier swing. And, and when I really slowed down the game this year, I was able to get into much better counts. So if they were still pitching backwards, I'd say they, they were still trying to, spot up on me and throw backwards try to get ahead in the count and then try to blow a fastball by um but instead of taking that borderline breaker i would go oh one but then maybe they missed two in a row and now it's two one and you know so i'm in the driver's seat now like you don't want to go three one that's only going to make it worse for him um so i think slowing the game down and, and not trying to do too much was a, was a big bonus um even and when so you say it, slow the game down we, i just want to drill into that when you say slowing the game down Mm -hmm. what does that mean what that does it mean to you what it means to me is if i know there's i used to earlier in the season when i had like scouts start to come to games um i'd be like oh you know good day to hit some bombs you know i would try to make that stuff happen um but slowing the game down is is almost just remi reminding yourself that you're playing it uh just, you're just playing a game and you're going up there to compete. You don't have to do too much at the time um, and allow the game to come to yourself. Um, don't, don't go out and press, you know, stress about all those external factors. Cause the, the only thing that matters is, is how you're going to approach the game and what you're going to do uh, in certain moments and stuff like that. Did you have any specific like breathing, like Evan Longoria will look at the tip of the foul pole did you have any like little triggers like that to help you get in the moment? Yeah, I also love that that he did. I 
30 for 30 or E60. I don't remember what it was. That was one of the, that was one of my favorites. But um, what I would do is either I would look at the, the I'd like to look at the barrel of the bat um, and envision just the ball and the feeling of the ball off the barrel of the bat. Um, and um, that's what and I this would This is do. like between pitches. Yeah, yeah. So that was between the pitch. I'd step out and everybody, It. I see a lot of people start to look at their barrel. But I, again, that's like that internal thing. What does it mean to them? Uh, so for me, I'm like feeling the ball hitting the barrel as I watch the barrel. Um, and then when I know it's time to compete again, I'll step in the, my back foot will step in the box first. And as my lead foot comes in, I'll like tap the barrel of the bat with my toe to get that feeling. Very and like sometimes can know of you. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and then, so there was sometimes like if I ever missed the barrel of the bat with my toe, I would go back and make sure I get that feeling. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to have to get two taps here to, I'm like, I want the feeling of the barrel of the bat to hit Whoa, that. CD hit right there. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I didn't feel right. Got to do it again, but do it twice. Yeah. Make sure it picks the wrong people, one. People ask what you're, what, how many superstitions you have. And, and I, I, I had 847. I did this weird finger tap thing when I was on defense, like every pitch I had to tap, I would go like this, like I have my glove on, and I go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And then the pitches I forgot that I did it, I could only do if I, I couldn't remember if I did it or not, I had to do eight. I couldn't do twelve again. It was the weird I just the weirdest crap of all time. I just Amazing. but that's that's like my OC this stuff but this is we're talking about stuff that nobody talks about. And nobody. It's, oh, let's put a Twitter post up about how this guy's snapping the bat behind his head and we're, this is going to make the player better. And the, the, I have this such like a Zen understanding of the game now, because if you get your mind right, if your mind is in the right place every day, and it's not, that's the problem. Your mind is not in the right place every day. You wake up as a different human every day. You wake up with like one day you have a test the next day your girlfriend breaks up with you the next day you get in a car accident yeah. the next day you're tired because you slept like shit and all those things they're not excuses they're factors they're real they are real. you're a different person every day so literally you're on this scale of like worst to best maybe emotionally meant whatever you want to call it and you have to figure out like how to get in the middle of that scale like you have to get back to that 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 position. So sometimes you have to compensate in one direction. Other days you have to compensate in another. And being self-aware enough to say, this is what just happened and being real and truthful with yourself is what allows you the first step of getting back to that place. And then, and then you can go to a place where mechanically you can make your adjustments because now you're just fundamentally aware of like what your mistakes were. Exactly. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. This is awesome. About this. I, love this. The face. I love this stuff. Uh, <laughs> let's go like some more quick hitters here. Or did you have something to say right there? No, I was gonna say like yeah, you, we this could literally be a conversation of, of days. <laughs> like all this stuff is. But it is. This is this is like why you hang out in the clubhouse after the game and just be around it instead of packing your stuff up and getting out as quick as, quick as you can. This yep. is Chris and I talk about this being a lifestyle all the time. This is just what it is. It's not, it's not a podcast recording. This is baseball. This is the game, and people don't know it. They're worried <laughs> about getting a, a stupid ring from a tournament when you're eight years old. Game. It's not a game. It's crazy. Yep. Uh, let's see. Favorite hitters. 
to watch and or emulate? Ooh. The the hitters, I would say I go to all the time. Like when I get mechanicals out of season, so like any swing I take will be on video and I compare it to these guys' videos on like that. This is a, there's a coach's eye app. You can put it right next to each other. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a there's a good amount of them. I'd say there's about five that I go to. I think Barry, Barry Bonds is number one. Um, Obviously. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong with trying to replicate him. Um, Barry Bonds, uh, Juan Soto. Um, Juan. Oh, great God, pronunciation, Juan. too. Great pronunciation, Juan. <laughs> yes, I pronounce things wrong on purpose, but for all the right reasons. Keep going. That's so, me. So good. Three-year college Spanish did me right. Um, so three, two lefties so far. Okay. Two lefties, yeah. I was just trying to say there's – I'll go to the, the last lefty, Shohei Otani. Um, Fernando Tatis and who's the there's another righty I usually go to and it's, I'm drawing a blank on right now there's one more righty um, some good options you got Miguel you've got Albert oh Albert yeah it was Albert thank you thank Albert you. pitched last night I was going to text you there uh, sensational <laughs> I, was, and I was watching, you, I was what, watching. Who, puts, who puts a position player in when they're up I thought like, they were losing, so I'm watching them like give up homers and not care and laughing. I'm like, wait, they're winning right now? What I was like, we're right two now? bloops and a blast away from having <laughs> to get the bullpen hot right here and just ruining everybody's night. And then but somehow were, it was like 15 to two, so they just ran him out there. Yeah, and then he gave up. He gave up a couple. Gave like he got a double play. He got a double play ball that wasn't a double play, and then it it turned into a three run homer by the other pitcher, position player pitcher, and then Joey Bart hit a. 0-2 homer and then he got uh i don't know if he got out on the last for the last out but like he got position player you know what's f- hysterical about that so this ties into that conversation when i was in in columbus my in 2016 i was like scared to hit off position players because that's how how bad of a mental state i was in that's how bad of a mental state i was in this is post you know or 2017 sorry like post when I got suspended and I was going through all the mental bullshit oh. and I like position players coming out and be like, Oh my God, if I make an out against a position player, it's going to be so embarrassing. Blah, blah, blah. And then now I look back on those moments. I'm like, what an idiot. Like, so <laughs> stupid. like who cares? Like everybody makes out. Yeah. It's like everybody poops, but everybody makes out. Literally. You know? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, multi, tell me a uh, high school sports background. Were you multi-sport guy, baseball only? Would you... So I was, oh, you know what? It was Albert and it was Manny Ramirez. My bad. Got I had it. to go back. But uh, <laughs> I was multi-sport, but not like for my actual high school. I played like, I played CYO basketball uh, with, with a bunch of buddies. And so that was just a great time. Uh, that would kind of be like some off-season conditioning, which was great. <laughs> what was your um, What was your recruiting process like? How did, How do you end up at Penn State Abington? Yeah, so after my my junior year of high school, I remember hitting two forty nine, and I mean, just about I think junior year is like D one's like done siding their class and stuff like that. So D one was kind of out the window, um, which was fine with me. Uh, I was never like a D one or or die guy, but I know that's like a big thing because I mean, D one is cool. You get all the gear, you get the cool facilities. I get it. Um, so then, uh, senior year, I did a little better in the off season. It was, it was either Penn state, Abington, uh, Alvernia or Arcadia. Um, 
and my original thought process was I can go to Abington and play eventually at their main campus. Um, but I, I got to Abington and there was just a bunch of great teammates around me, great coaching staff. There was actually um, the guys who recruited me there ended up uh, leaving. So there's a new coaching staff year one where I was like, I, I've heard this story before. I'm not playing for, for a couple of years. So this is going to, I'm getting hurt here. Um, but it ended up being a great coaching change. I mean, I love the guys that recruited me. Um, wish I got to know them a little better, but the guys that ended up coaching me for the next four years, uh, they were awesome guys. Um, and that's how I ended up staying at Abington. Uh, I was, I wasn't just, I was convinced myself, um, just all the teammates around me and all the coaching staff, how great it was. And I had playing time. The most important thing was playing time. So I got my shot early and not many guys get that early. So I got to play five full years of college baseball, which is amazing. Really, really powerful. And then you played in the summer league. Where'd you play last summer? I saw that you had pretty successful wood bat season. Yeah, I was uh, in the Valley league in Virginia. I was in Virginia, which is, yeah, it is, it is a good league. There's a lot of good D one. And I love that league too. This summer they get... we... I froze in my back. Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good. Yeah, what do you so what do you got going on this summer? Uh this summer I'm heading to uh the coastal plains for a little and I think I'm gonna once the Cape Cod starts up, I'm gonna head there. Um so because I signed with the Coastal Plains early, uh and then Cape Cod came along later. So I was like, uh, this is Cape Cod's always been like a dream. So I got to work something out with these guys I had a contract with. Um, because I was like, hey, like this is just a great opportunity and uh, i think a lot of scouts want to see me here uh because that's always been their biggest question like how well can you hit 97 and, and stuff like that but that's why i'm lucky enough to go play summer ball uh in the valley and stuff like that like you see those arms there uh d1 juco d2 d3 um and so you compete at a really high level with a, a good amount of guys the good thing is you get, you get to hang out with me like you come up here i'm down the street well down the street it's like an hour from the cape but um, we'll get to meet in human because I have a lot of guys going to Cape, and I'll I'll make my way down there and, and spend some time together. I'll, is this le is this legal? Can you take can I can you take like a dinner from somebody now that the NIL stuff is in? Like I he's I'll graduated. Take he's graduated. Yeah. It's it's uh it's weird because the draft is pushed back, so we can play. Yes. <laughs> summer league. Yeah. It's a different dynamic. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, I, we'll get to chalk it up as an NIL. That's fine. Yeah, I have a question for you. Um, I have a question. So from like a swing, it, we've talked a lot about the mental side. And I, the way I like to describe it is the best version of players comes out when mechanics and approach like meet, right? Yeah. At this like pinnacle of, of like Zen and whatever. Because I think too many guys, like you're one or the other. But I, obviously, I would err on the side of mental and approach first and and then like build the mechanic stuff. But what's your, like, what's your background with the swing stuff? Bobby showed me the message you sent him that said, you know, you read yeah. his book, uh, was it four or five years ago, but what's, yep. what's your like swing mechanics background stuff? My, my background is, um, I think I used to, um, well, that was like my first introduction of, of getting on plane. And it's like, that was my first idea of getting on plane was from your book and stuff like that. And it was like, completely yeah. changed from 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 there on um i think some of the most important factors now are are time to impact um i think i think exit velo and bad speed are cool but um 
I mean, to be able to hit 97 and give yourself the best advantage, you got to have time to impact as quick as possible. Um, uh, I like thinking about turning in a sense, like there's this corner um, that you turn this corner. So if I were to put like, let's say we take the white line of the batter's box and then draw another line from your back foot uh, at like a 45 degree angle there. And you kind of want to be like that back foot should be like kind of nailed into the ground there. Um, that way my head is very still and I'm applying power from like my backside. I want that. I want as much bat speed I can build behind the baseball. Um, because if I try to make, try to get my bat speed going forward, I start to, I, I just give myself less time to hit the baseball and see the baseball really. So I want to get as much at, at behind me quickly uh, and, and down to the ball as, as quick as possible. Uh, what happens after it, whatever happens after it just happens. Um, but I think that's, that's the most important, that's the most important um, mechanics from my standpoint. And the reason I take all this video and stuff like that is because I want to, I want to get as perfect as I can with guys. So like, I know in season, I kind of focus on external goals, like how well is the ball backspun off the bat and stuff like that. But come off season, it's very, very pinpoint mechanical. Um, like Barry Bonds will have his hands next to his back shoulder as much as possible. And he's going right there to the ball. So I try to, I tried to get that feeling down as much as possible. Um, and the way to get that like externally is like my, maybe like the first round of BP is like all grounders to the second baseman. Um, and then like kind of work upwards from there. Bonds also said, uh, I wanted to have perfect practice, which to him yeah. meant like hitting the ball low. And I, I didn't see this till later. He was doing the thing where he was like talking with a rod and he, this was like way post playing career. And he's like, I'm, I, why, I should be able to do perfect practice, right? And perfect mm -hmm. practice, how do I hit a ground ball to the shortstop? And basically the the implication of like, and then he, his, my favorite line that he said from that same interview was hitting the ball in the air is easy. Everybody can do that. He's like, why would I, like, I can't practice that. And here we are in this generation, like baseball has existed for 179 years or whatever it is. And people's eyeballs and their training for a hundred and 24 of those years was like hey if we try to hit the ball far and high and hard in practice probably gonna swing and miss a lot in the game and here we are in 2022 and we've regressed to the point where the league's hitting 079 and everybody's trying to swing up and just the context is so lost on people of what creates the right swing in the game because the yep. test is the game you don't you can't train the same way you play because it's a different animal god i'm gonna get pissed off that's literally i think i think everybody should hear that because bp is so easy to hit homers on like you're literally here's the ball you know what speed it's coming yeah, just at. ask albert pujols last night literally how easy is it to hit bp homers you just gave up back to backs on two strike pitches because <laughs> they're just throwing 68 into major league hitters yeah <sighs> so and i love there's a uh an interview Yelich did when he was on he's, he's talking about when he was on Miami doing that this drill with Bonds like where he had hit it straight down into home plate and and talk about Bonds being perfect in BP he, he was like Yelich was getting scared because he's he's hitting the ball down but it's like five feet out in front of home plate and he's like Bonds is literally yelling at me like hit, hit it hit the plate like he's yelling at me I don't know what to do this guy's like trying to be so perfect but that's what it is hit it down and, and it I don't know why people try to start trying to do
do that. But instead, we post videos of guys taking pull side daddy hacks in the cage and saying faster, harder, stronger. It's literally the opposite of what a hundred years of baseball taught us. It's ridiculous. And people are like, nah, you've got to train hitting homers. You know who needs to train hitting homers? Chris Colabello, after he's just become like a pull side swing straight down guy for 26 years. And Tewksbury had to freaking show me how to like let the barrel get deep. You know yeah. who had to learn how to hit the ball in the air? Daniel Murphy, and yeah. and freaking Justin Turner, because yeah. they trained hitting the ball straight down their whole lives. Yep. Like, so you need to train exactly what you need to train. Yep. And for most players, it's understanding how to hit a ball hard through the second baseman for a right-handed hitter. Sorry, the opposite so, field infielder. Yeah. So yeah, I mentioned, you mentioned the corner, which is a, it's an internet hitting term that most of the traditional baseball people don't know. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. I don't know if everybody else listening is going to know what that means, <laughs> but hitting a ground ball to second baseman with a corner versus without a corner. I grew up doing it without a corner with yeah. no understanding, like literally just getting my hands to the front side and smashing the ball straight down, which has no ability to hit the ball over the fence. It was, <laughs> it, it, that doesn't translate into lifting the ball properly so it's it's old school i think the issue was there were a lot of people trying to use old school mentality with bad mechanics yeah if you have good mechanics with the old school mentality it's amazing it's perfect but there's a disconnect because you got bad swings with bad approach or sorry bad swings with good approach doesn't work good swing good approach doesn't work but people are trying to fix the swing so they're taking now they're taking bad swings with bad approach, but the other side of it, and it's just the pendulum just keeps swinging back and forth. I'm back and forth. I I remember watching the uh, YouTube video. It was it was one of your YouTube videos where you're critiquing your your like your like minor league swing when you were going straight down and, and yeah. stuff like that. And you were like, you need to the barrel needs to work behind you. And then that was like I have a video that's literally called "Don't Stop Hitting Ground Balls to Second Base." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that doing was... it the but doing it the right way is really good and it's controlling your timing. It's controlling trajectory. It's finding the top of the ball correctly. Yep. And like if you're doing the demo bonds, if you get the back elbow down, the barrel's going to want to work down. So you have to think on top. Yes. But that's the right way to do it because now you're creating plane, you're creating depth, you're creating that good direction. And it's just, it's annoying to, to know it and to say it and people just don't get it. And that, yeah. And, and also you're talking to a guy who, for 26 years existed like i survived hitting like i literally survived hitting because i just had this like intrinsic i'm not gonna lose mentality so i understood how to hit a two strike flip johnson over the second baseman's head when i needed to on a slider down and away because i hated making out so instead of thinking about like mechanically what i needed to do i just competed like a, a maniac yeah. and that's how i found a way to hit 300 so I had I, I learned this six years of like great mentality and approach and why the other side of the field was important, but I was trying to do it by like going like this out front and then I would carve balls to right center and I wouldn't want I wouldn't understand why I couldn't hit the ball over the right center field wall, yeah. and then here comes Tukes telling me like hey turn the barrel and I think he's crazy at first, <laughs> and yeah, I'm like he's telling me, me to hit the catcher in the back of the head and I'm like all right what's the worst thing that happens like it took those eight sessions of arguing and then eventually. I just, I was like, what's the worst thing happens? I suck for a week and then go back to the old stuff. But even then there's like, 
and and I've looked at like the neural pathway stuff, how mental blocks and how people they can just get you get scared. It's all fear and like overcoming that fear. But this all ties in together with the mental stuff we talked about. And exactly. Going back to like Longoria, I remember seeing Longoria when he first got to the big leagues, and I thought to myself, why does this 21 year old kid not look like he's out of place in the show? He just looks so like he belongs. He was there. And, wow. and I'll never forget was like his second year or whatever it was. He was he was 0 for 3 with three punch outs going to his last at bat against the Red Sox. And he hit a solo bomb to tie it in the ninth. And I was like, wow, I couldn't do that if my life depended on it. Because my fourth strikeout is just would have been like screaming at me. It would have been like, come here to the dark side. Yeah. And, and then he hits the bomb. <laughs> and then he punches out again in the 11th. And then hits a bomb in the 12th to win it. And I'm thinking to myself... I remember seeing that, and I'm about the same age as Longo, and I remember seeing that and being like, "How did he just do that? I don't, I don't even understand how that just happened." That's that, exactly. you want to talk about being in the moment. Like, yeah, that's being in the Longoria's moment. Longoria's a revisit guy too. Back yeah. in the was it Long Beach State. That. Yeah. Uh, let's do a couple quick topics that have nothing to do with anything else. Just random, more recency topics because we need to hit those as well. Dead ball controversy, uh, just a baseball controversy or not, maybe. Uh, Avisail Garcia hit a ball that I think has been a homer every single time. Somebody who must have access to data that's not publicly available said it was higher spin with side spin, is the access of the spin, whatever. There was like a 50-something foot difference. I still think that if – a guy who's hit a bunch of homers knows he hit a homer and it doesn't go out. There's a problem. I think I'm on that too. I may be on the conspiracy theory that there's like different balls being used. I saw. I'm so in on it. So like, there's gotta be something that's so weird. I saw Rendon hit a homer lefty and he looked like he swung two miles an hour, but it was one Oh one. And I'm like, and, but he hit that ball. I think it was like one Oh nine point six and it's off the wall. And I'm like, I have no idea. Chris is going to go man yelling at the clouds on us. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to say for it to be a homer, it has to be a homer. So if you hit a homer, then it's a homer. And if you don't, then it's not. So there are plenty of balls I hit in my career that I thought I got that I didn't get. And there are plenty of balls that I didn't think I got that I got. So if the the, the argument, yes, spin matters, right? Like yes. weird spin on a ball matters, drag on a ball matters. No two balls are created equal, whatever. Like, who the hell knows? Like, what are we talking? We're just making shit up. Like, we're just literally like, oh, I got these metrics on this stuff now. He hit that ball like this, and the other guy hit it like this. Like, obviously, there's different leverage. You're going to create different spin, the barrel path, the plane, that all matters. I, I don't give a shit. If it goes over the wall, it's a homer. If it doesn't, it's not. Whatever. Move on. Let's, like, guys are, like... There have been we're on track to hit more 450 home run 450 foot plus home runs this year than we did last year, and we want to talk about the ball being different. Like, okay, maybe maybe they're putting different balls in. We'll deal with it. You're just playing defense as a hitter. You're playing defense to whatever the other side of the the, the field is doing to you, and whatever the game's allowing you to do on any given day. Like, guys are still hitting balls into orbit. It doesn't matter. Like, I still saw a ball go off the freaking in the third deck in milwaukee like maybe some days it's a homer maybe some days it's not just deal with it move on i i don't give a shit i'm literally like so tired of like the dead ball era 
So they suck. That's it. The, the next, the, well, the next layer of it, there was a pitch that some Yankee close Yankee reliever threw like 90, 99 miles per hour. It ran twenty five inches. It's like the most aggressively horizontal movement pitch ever. I think there's something going on with the balls. I think it has to do with the ball. Probably, but who gives a shit? Just do better. <laughs> I do. I do. When, do better. When you're a hitter and the ball moves across, moves. I am a hitter. Way, if you're a hitter and the ball moves in a way that has never moved before, and you're standing there going, "What am I? Like, I need to learn how to play the game again." This is like a new level in a video game. Yeah, that was like the first time I faced Joe Kelly, and he went knee buckler, jelly legged me with a slider at 91 on the first pitch, and I was like. Was that real life on the black? And then the next one, he went 100 backdoor two-seamer. And I literally stepped out of the box laughing. And I'm like, <laughs> Ryan Hennigan sitting behind home plate. And he's like, what are you laughing at? I was like, is this guy serious with this shit? Like, I'm supposed to hit this? <laughs> like, I'm supposed to hit this, what I just saw. He just went 91, jelly leg me. And now he just went 100 backdoor two-seam. And I'm like, this is, like, I, I might as well just walk back now. <laughs> And then guess what? Like the guy would get two all on me because he'd try to throw seven sliders in a row, and like I'm like Joe, you throw a hundred and it moves this much. Like maybe just throw it down the middle, see what happens. He'd be the best pitcher on the planet if he just threw it down the middle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But instead, I'm like three for eight off the guy, or four for eight, or whatever it is, because he just get two all, and I go ambush a heater. <laughs> it's funny. you're playing cat and mouse, dude. It's chess. We're playing chess here, boys. Like we're yeah. not playing yeah. freaking checkers. <laughs> Next topic, Manny Machado, really good this year. He's currently leading the league in war. I mean, we're 30 games in, but people are saying this is a potential MVP season for him. Wow. Is uh, where, where do you guys stand on Machado? Is he underrated? He's he's like 30, and he's been feels like he's been playing for 20 years. Go ahead, young young buck. You <laughs> I'll take a shot here. It, yeah. it does feel like he's been playing forever, but like. I feel like I haven't heard enough of him this year. They like to hear him doing as good as I saw the the notes we sent, and uh, I was almost surprised to see all of this, uh, how amazing of a season he was doing, um, because I feel like I haven't seen enough of him a- in the media at all. And he he definitely could have a three thousand career, three thousand hit career. He's getting west coasted right now. That's what playing on the west coast does to you. It's uh, it's probably a good thing in a lot of ways to be honest with you, to play out there because you just catch less shit and you're not like, even though LA and San Diego are kind of major markets, like, yeah, man, what a peaceful life. Like if you just get to that place where you're just chilling, you got your contract, you get to live in San Diego. What Like, it's so calming. I bet like he's probably like, he's in definitely in Zen flow state right now. I got to play against this guy in double a and he was hitting like two forty. and he got called up to big league. He ain't that fucking good. (laughs) Whoops. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, he's pretty good. Like, he just, he's one of those guys that, like, baseball's always looked easy to, but he has just enough swag to, like, never doubt himself when things go poorly, like when he's not hitting good. Um, and I think that's Big time West like Coasted a, right now, though. Yeah, he's definitely getting West and Coasted in terms of. Tatis had the, the spotlight for a bit there. The, Padres made big splash in the offseason the last couple of years, and they didn't really do that this year. So they're, I think the Padres in general are under the radar. The brown the uniforms really don't help either. When your uniforms look like poop, <laughs> like nobody wants to pay attention to you. And n- let's not forget, today. let's not forget that Tatis is like twelve. So like the game wants twelve year olds to do good. 
So if 12-year-olds do good, then people talk about them. If 30-year-olds do good, they're like, ah, whatever, nobody cares. <laughs> I think he's the- in a good spot. From like a maturity level, from uh, understanding the game, I think he's in a good spot. Uh, the Anaheim, or the LA Angels, I always call them the Anaheim Angels. They're good this year. You mentioned the lefty homer from Rendon. Uh, we had a no-hitter. Brett Phillips gave up a homer to Mike Trout and said he was lucky, which is funny because Brett Phillips has been on, on the pod. Um, I'm doing 100 Days of Trout on Twitter. We're just getting some good legs. And then, Chris, I just want to hear any stories. Like, people are freaking out that Rendon hit a homer lefty. I'm like, a lot of major league players can flip over and hit homers. And it wasn't even like a real pitch. Like, didn't you guys take oppo BP all the time? I'm going to deflect to young Ryan McCarty and ask him if he could hit a left-handed homer if he tried. Uh, I... Yeah, at my ballpark I have, but it's three twenty down the line. I get a little short porch on the right hit on the right field, so I do take so BP and yes. it sometimes. Um, I just I think it helps a lot. Yeah, if you can rotate, you can rotate. If you're at, you have to be an athlete that can rotate, and we can all rotate because we're hitters. We're professional rotational athletes. I'm putting the tar- I'm putting the label on you. You're a professional rotating rotational athlete, even though nobody's paid you to play yet. So, in my right. book, you're now you're a professional. So, in uh, my phone, in my phone, that's Chris's label: professional rotational athlete. So, this label. So yes, um, whatever. Like I'm, I, I give Rendon a ton of credit because this dude was 0 for four in the game when he did it. Like, he was 0 for 4, and he's like, I, I don't give a shit. I'll just hit lefty. Like, when you're 0 for 4, like, and you're hitting 200, you'd think you're trying to slide one out there, but whatever. <laughs> he's he's pretty comfortable he in his position guard. in the he game. Had the, he had the leg guard on the back foot. I like yeah, that. how many people do you think noticed that? Yeah, he I left his shooting guard on the right. Like I picked up. <laughs> That's fantastic. But, I yeah, I, I could hit a homer lefty. Batista used to hit BP left-handed every day, and then Donaldson would try, and he was less good at it. But I'd say most guys, at least half the dudes, can flip around and, and do it the other way, and probably what walk a in blue- to be on. What's that? Pretty cool. <laughs> I said, "What a Blue Jay team to be on." That's that's freaking awesome. Just we were the day before the day before. Just all you need to know about the 2015 Toronto Blue Jays was the day before Game Five which was probably the greatest game in the last 30 years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Batista was wearing his messy jersey for BP. We were playing <laughs> soccer before batting practice. <laughs> Him and I were taking ground balls at shortstop, and half the team took BP left-handed or didn't do anything because we just were like, whatever. Like, <laughs> we, we played soccer every like road trip. We would be – like when we get to the field early and we had the field early, like – Nobody did early work. We'd just go out and kick the soccer ball around. <laughs> we all rode scooters around the city because Price was nice enough to buy us scooters. Like, that was the team that had fun and understood how important fun was. Because, like, you have to balance all the crap that a baseball season brings with, like, remembering that you're a little kid playing a game. And if you don't do that, if you expend too much mental energy and, and stuff you talked about earlier, Ryan, like, if you expend too much mental energy on working, it's, uh, it's like uh, I, I heard the analogy of you never get to sharpen the sword, right? There's the story, this guy, they get they're in an axe competition, they like chop down as many trees as you can in 24 hours or 48 hours or whatever. 
And the guy like takes a break after two hours and everybody's like, what are you doing? He's like, just goes, takes a nap. And then at the end, and he does it like three times. And then at the end he wins. It's like, I was just sharpening my ax, man. Like you got to sharpen the ax. Yep. It's all balance. And understanding balance is a very personal thing. Like you have to blend work with play, you know, cause if not, you can't be the best version of yourself. Exactly. Uh, Ryan, you a fan of any other sports? I I am definitely probably the main sports: uh, football, basketball, and hockey. I love all Philly teams. It's very exciting to go to either team. Um, tough right now. It's tough. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like Philly fans though. They're passionate. Very passionate. I think one of the best experiences was a playoff game for the Flyers. If, if we're just talking about sports, that I mean. In a in a arena that echoes, uh, I mean, enclosed area, I was electric. Um, but definitely, hockey, live hockey is amazing, especially like playoff live hockey. I, that may be high energy. That is, yeah, that may be second to none. Um, heartbreaking for the Sixers again. Uh, I had the cool. I, I was a basketball fan, but um, this year. My one of my mom's coworkers gave us. They usually get courtside tickets, and they weren't around, so they gave us the courtside tickets, and I that made basketball so much cooler to me because um, I think it was Andre Drummond at the time was on the Sixers. He ran like right out in front of us, and I've never seen a human being this big in my entire life. I mean, it was to see those guys play on the same level as them was like it was out of this world. It was you really gain cool. an appreciation for the NBA when you sit. Right. I was, uh, first time I got courtside was Minnesota. I won player of the week. So the PR guy's like, Hey, you want courtside? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> and I was sitting next to the Spurs bench and I was like knee to knee with Ginobili and, and Duncan's like walking by me and Duncan is like the epitome of a fungo. Like he's, he looks like a fungo. Like he's like a, a 39 inch fungo in relation to all the other bats. Cause I'm like, you weigh like 11 pounds, dude. How are you banging in the blocks like this? But <laughs> They have so much skill and finesse for like large humans that you, it's, it, it's hard to appreciate until you're like right next to it. And then in Toronto, I got to sit courtside and then I went out on the floor and shot Jays and made it rain myself. Cause that's like uh, uh. my next ambition is to be the best men's league player on the planet. <laughs> I think they give, they're giving out the MVP at the end of the, at the end of the summer. I'm, I'm oh. like top 30 national ranking men's basketball right now. <laughs> that's well, awesome that was, that was my lead into the nba playoffs because we had a couple game sevens oh. a couple interesting game sevens the mavs showed up the suns did not show up yeah what they happened? forgot I, they forgot so I'm, like a, game. I'm like i'm kind of like a new nba guy like in the show notes says i'm my nba guy now i'm i've been watching <laughs> the celtics primarily for uh for culture and camaraderie with the other with the rest of the pelotero crew uh i i do enjoy it Watching it, I like play, any playoff for any sport. I'll, I'll watch because it's just the intensities there. What the heck? What happened to the Suns? What they just decided not to score points? That was unbelievable. That I was, checked at halftime and I was like, I thought this was going to be a game. I usually, yeah, I usually get my updates for that. I usually don't watch it live too much, and I was just getting uh, ESPN um, net notifications like about the halftime score and I think it was already like a 30 point deficit and that was I mean I heard Suns were talking a lot of the trash early on too according to some of the Mavs players so it's like where did that go 
they got they got Luca, man. Luca is a special cat, bro. This this he, dude is. He looks different. like he's in slow motion. He looks like he's in slow motion, and then he just automatically creates separation every time. So, yeah, that guy, he slows down the game. There you go. <laughs> the advantage of the European guys is when they're 15, 16 years old, they go play at the highest level, right? Like they go play in their highest level leagues. They play against pro guys, like American guys. Like, so you're playing against men when you're 16 years old. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the experience that I had like growing up is like, if you're good when you're 16, they just pump you up to the top level teams. And this dude knows how to compete, man. He's, he's doing some things. And like, I'd say playing for Cubans organization is probably pretty cool. And you know, they got some good complimentary pieces there. And the Suns just, they forgot they had a game. They thought it was East Coast time instead of West Coast time, I guess. And That's a, bad, that's a whoops, tough no-show game. <laughs> and then uh, Celtics stay the giant. Giannis out. He's, he's impressive. What do you have, 200, 150 for the 200 points, 100 rebounds, 50 assists? First time in a seven-game series. Pretty, pretty good. He's pretty good. Uh... What's his name? Williams he, just started making it rain for like randomly. Yeah, don't bring up the Celtics because he's a Philly fan. He's sad, dude. He's sad that like the Sixers can't beat beat the Celtics. They're just not better than them. Defending got, champs got taken out. That's a big. That's a story. I know. Uh, just one thing: the the Sixers had the MVP this year. Embiid's MVP. That was snub. I'm very impressed by his development. I'm gonna say that. I think he's maturing nicely. I think. Even, you know, Shaq and, and Chuck <laughs> always wore his ass out early in his career. And now they're like everybody's full send team Embiid, which is good. good. Like, I, I think that's awesome. And they got rid of the the the, uh, the kid from LSU. What's that? The one that never plays. Yeah. He, he's, oh, he's soft. Um, never shoots either. He needs yeah. the mental. Simmons. Simmons. He's a righty. He's definitely a righty. <laughs> he may actually be. I. He, he's Australian, right? They do everything backwards. No, he's a righty, though. <laughs> Toilets flush uh, backwards in Australia, think, so they uh, just mess things up like that. If Embiid... Are you more upset that Embiid got a concussion and broke his face or that he didn't win the MVP? Oof, definitely. I think the concussion part hurt the most. I mean... I mean, Got to get him out of the game right there, no? That was, that was the cherry on top as if that mvp didn't hurt enough to see like i think that was the last game of that series they were up by that much and then he just gets an elbow to the face and destroys his orbital bone and everything and it's just that one hurt because i mean that because then the heat go up 2-0 on us without an mb then so i, can, I can feel your pain and i love it i see i'm not a good fan of sports I, um, I can't get emotionally invested in them so i i see it and I yeah. know Philly fans get so deeply invested into the seasons. Super. I, I, I'm jealous of it, really. <laughs> I only I only invest in two things. The Boston Celtics and any team that Tom Brady plays for. <laughs> well, the, yeah. Tom Brady's like, awesome. Yeah, exactly. Because he's just uh, like, yeah. I mean, so you're Phil- who's your who's your like favorite player growing up as a Philly guy? Uh, as as a younger me, it was uh, for a Philly. It was Chase Utley. Uh That was yeah. I mean, talk about he was the definition of Philly uh, with his grit, his his passion for the game and stuff like that. I mean, he was he was the best, honestly. Growing up, loved AI, loved loved a lot of other players from other sports, but he was definitely my 
Philly Philly guy. The Sixers squandered such a massive opportunity when they had those years they had Iverson by not getting any other good players. Literally, <laughs> like no other good players. Because he single-handedly made them relevant. Yeah. Like by himself, literally. By himself. And had, there were years when he, he would have to score 50 to for them to be competitive. And he was just like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm two foot six, 109 pounds, and I, I got it. And he's so, just going to do it. Like, arguably, in my opinion, a top 10 all-time NBA player, literally. Um, I mean, Love that's a deep conversation to have because there's a lot of guys. But, man, this guy, he, he he definitely changed how pop culture. I was watching a thing on uh, on Showtime. He changed how, like, pop culture and, and, and basketball can, like, blend into one and, um, you know the way guys dressed and, and he, he yeah. brought hip hop into basketball really. And he was like the first guy that did it unapologetically and, and really changed, like paved the way for the next generation of guys to Literally. be themselves. So it was pretty cool. He brought but swag. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. And I apologize that the Celtics are real. And yes, Grant Williams took a billion threes and I, I was watching, I was like pumping my fist. I, I, I kept telling my dad, I was like, if they got to get it to 20, I don't, I won't feel good until they get it to 20. And then they did. And then it was over. Sneaky, huge Peyton Pritchard fan too. Like obviously Tatum is a stallion, but love Peyton Pritchard. Love him. Love him. <laughs> love him. Love the Celtics team. They're great. Uh, they are good. I can that. It's time. Man. I, I was about to make a process joke, but I'll, I won't do it. No. <laughs> right, listen, this has been awesome. This was a lot of fun. Congratulations on your season. Thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing with us. Uh, really excited for you with everything you've learned and your journey. And I'm excited to see where it takes you. Thank you. Uh, really, really awesome stuff. Thank you. I'm just excited for the next thing, man. It's, uh, it's cool. And, just if there's any advice I can give you when you get there, it's the same. Dude, the game's the same. Everything around you is going to change, which is like the bullshit. Like they throw a bunch of shit at you, right? Like yeah. there's farm director, front office, this, this guy telling you this, like be you dog. Like you is really, really, really good. And like you can listen and learn and observe and, and pay attention. And I'm going to send you my number. I'll be a resource for you, whatever. Like fantastic. It, it, but like do you like it, it, i wish i'd done that sooner in my mm -hmm. journey and like because none of them matter none of it like they don't matter when it comes down to like you getting in the box and going to do your thing and you've proven that you can do things that other people can't and I, i'd it'd be hard pressed to believe that any you could take any of the best hitters in division one that could have come and done what you did there this year so maybe sunny d's. sunny d's pretty good he took he had an offer against alabama did he? Do you know about yeah. Sonny D at Auburn? No, uh, I've just heard a lot about like Ivan Melendez and guys and him. But Go Sonny D Chiara is like he's like the Pillsbury Doughboy with like Do you see, reddish uh, hair. Did you watch Moneyball? Yeah. You know the guy that's afraid to run a second base. <laughs> yeah. He like and then he hit a homer and he had to, he had to run. He's kind of got that kind of build. He's just like a big dude and he rakes. Yeah, what, like over, he... he plays at Auburn. Auburn. Awesome. He transferred in from Sanford. He's like, uh, he he was a good hitter at Sanford, like really good freshman. Like he was, he's been relevant for a while, but just he didn't play at Auburn. And now he was, he was hitting 400 going into the series against uh, 
against Alabama and then took a 0 for so it's 399 I think right now but uh, again that's why you don't look at your batting average till the last yeah. day of the year because it doesn't count it doesn't matter like nobody cares what nobody looks at the back of your bubblegum card and goes oh he was hitting 336 in May like yeah yep all matters at the end yeah but your pumps but you can count your pumps all you want because ain't nobody taking them away he's yeah, got that. he's got uh 56 walks in 47 yeah. games so he's but he like they played at Tennessee. Tennessee's number one team in the country. They're like intentionally walking him when it matters. Like nobody wants a piece of him, wow. which might say more about his lineup and that support says, behind him. But that says, oh yeah, but that, yeah. that speaks volumes to him. I mean, te- yeah, Tennessee is gross. Well, so are you, kid. So are you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, on that note, pleasure to meet you. I look forward to talking more. And uh, Roberto. The pickle is out, dog. <laughs>